In Revelation, we have a vision of the future. In John chapter 6, it's a nightmarish uh, vision. It's the vision of the four horsemen of the apocalypse, that even the world understands that, that expression and that phrase. There's four horses. The first horse, what color was that horse? White. And the, the rider was white as well, wearing a crown representing who? What does the first horse represent? No. The Antichrist. Real good. The second horse, the color of the second horse and its rider? Red. Representing what? Last week. Great. Thank you. There's nothing more discouraging than when you just teach or preach your heart out and they don't remember a thing you said last week. There's times I can't remember what I preached last week. Okay. War. The third horse, the black horse. That's where we're going tonight. Revelation chapter 6 verse 5. When the lamb opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, come. I looked and there before me was a black horse. Its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. Then I heard what sounded like a voice among the four living creatures saying two pounds of wheat for a day's wages and six pounds of barley for a day's wages and do not damage the oil and the wine tonight the black horse is coming part one let's look exactly at what the scripture uh, says and what the scripture reveals tonight the vision of the black horse writer would you fill in the blanks now in his vision of this black horse and its rider john sees the rider carrying in his hands what they didn't hand it they messed it up again <laughs> it's the easiest thing okay uh linda offering bag thank you thank you here here we have a visitor and we're putting her to work here Oh, bless you, Christy. Make sure it covers the rose. Amen. Real good. They are ignoring, neglecting the back row. The back row on my right has emotional scar tissue damage of being rejected. Oh. John also, point B, hears a voice. He sees a black horse and its rider holding way scales, and he hears, point B, a voice in his vision coming from the four living creatures. Now, over chapter 5, chapter 4, chapter 6, you'll keep hearing that expression, four living creatures. These are the highest form of angels. We meet them for the first time in Isaiah 6. They're covered with eyes. They have how many pairs of wings? Anyone know? They have three pairs of wings or six wings. Three pairs. Th yes, six wings. And, and what? And they're so cool, Eugenia says. And uh, they fly over the throne of God. How often? How frequently? 24-7. Yeah. And they cry out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty who was, who is, and who is to come. A perfect expression of an eternal being they cry holy and a voice comes from these mighty seraphim angels and John hears it two pounds of wheat for a day's wage 
Don't tell me, don't shout it out, how much do you make in one day? Imagine, imagine the next time you buy a loaf of bread, you have to spend all that you make in one day's wage just to feed yourself. The twofold crisis the writer of the Black Horse portends. With an average person's entire day's wage being spent to purchase food for himself, this vision represents global economic collapse. Write the word economic down. Economic collapse. The pair of scales also indicates scarcity of food. For the reason for the weigh scales, the food is weighed out as carefully as gold. Gold. So this vision also reveals global famine. There's numerous passages in the Old Testament that associate the weighing of food with its scarcity or famine-like conditions. Frequently, God allowed famine as a form of judgment. For instance, Ezekiel 14:13, "Son of man, when a land, when a land sins against me by acting faithlessly, and I stretch out my hand against it and break its supply of bread and send famine upon it and cut off from it man and beast." Jesus prophesied that increasing famine would signal the end times. Jesus said in Luke 21, there will be great earthquakes and in various places famines and pestilences and there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. Or Matthew 24, 7, for nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, earthquakes in various places. And for those of us that are well aware of both of these passages. Because you might say, well, there's always been famine. Jesus was pointing to these signs as being birth pains. And what Jesus was saying, when you see the intensity, the frequency, when you see the acceleration, know that the judgment, the day of the Lord's judgment, the great tribulation and His coming, was at the very threshold. Yes. Imagine the coming great tribulation, which this class is all about. The coming great tribulation famine will be so severe that it will take a person's entire day's wage to feed himself, leaving nothing for his family to eat. Nothing for food and shelter and clothing. There's not much chance that the Antichrist is going to issue food stamps either. The vision, now get a hold of this, the vision also reveals the horseman was ordered not to touch what? The oil and the wine. This is interesting. These were luxury symbols of John's day. Luxury symbols. Yeah, you know, they're... Of course, the common man could enjoy oil and wine. It's kind of like, you know, you can enjoy McDonald's coffee that I, that I enjoy. It's my favorite. I, give me that senior's discount. I mean, 
I can tell you where to get the cheapest McDonald's coffee. I mean, yeah. Or you can be a Starbucks guy, girl. You know, I've got star. You know, I know some people that just walk around with an empty Starbucks cup. You know, I'm cool. I'm cool. You know, I'm really with it. You know, I I do Starbucks. Yeah, yeah, and it's how much? Four or five bucks a cup? Sure, sure, yeah. That's what oil and wine was back. It was a status, okay? Especially the more expensive uh, forms of it. Evidently, what the prophecy is saying, all the luxury foods will still be around to tempt people, but the common man will have no means to purchase such things. When the recession hit bad in 08, Starbucks suffered. The common man, average Joe, started prioritizing. You see, the only the rich will be able to function in a normal way during these times that are coming, the great tribulation. The rich will get richer, the poor will get poor. Kind of sounds like today. And it'll be especially true during the great tribulation. Uh, probably the rich will sell out to the Antichrist. That's how they will retain their wealth. And this is just what we're seeing today uh, with the rich. Do you realize that you're living in a, the most unique generation of human history? Do you realize that the rich, even when you use percentages of wealth, the rich are richer today than at any time in all human history. Did you realize that we are witnessing the greatest accumulation of wealth side by side with the worst poverty? Today, look on the screen, 1% of the American population has accumulated over 40% of our nation's wealth. Do you have any conception of how the, the top 1% really live? I'm talking about the Bill Gates, the Donald Trumps, okay? We, I mean, if you would just get a glimpse into their lifestyle, the Kardashians, if you would just get a glimpse, it is so far removed from our lifestyle that it almost seems alien. The obscene, the obscene, the obscene accumulation of riches in, in, in these last days uh, is a sign that, that, that we're in the end times. Countdown to economic meltdown. Today, economic alarms are sounding around the world, even here uh, in America. And if you'll make sure that's highlighted for the next hour, uh, Linda. How long will America continue to be a superpower? How long? What nation has the world's tallest building? Not America, Taipei. Okay. That's what I have. Maybe they just built a, a bigger one, a taller one. Uh, and it's happening all the time. Which nation, which, nation, which nation has the world's largest publicly traded company? New York? Beijing. China. Which, world, which, which, world, which nation has the biggest refinery? India, which, which nation or continent builds the largest passenger plane? Europe, largest investment fund, Abu Dhabi, biggest movie industry, 
At least we can claim that, can't we? Eugenia's got it. Bollywood in India. Largest mall. Minnesota? No. Didn't even make the top ten. Largest mall. It's no longer the Mall of America. Not even the top ten. China. Only two of the world's richest people are American. Uh, in a, now, all of these facts that I just gave you might seem a, a bit arbitrary, but 10 years ago, the United States was in all the top 10. No longer. No longer. It's no lo uh, wonder that a, a recent Newsweek magazine covers said the post-American world. Economically, write it down, one of the greatest reasons America is slipping from her superpower status is because of her spending. Her spending. Let's look at some graphics uh, right now. I want you to look at the last eight years in America. These are the records that were set during the last eight years in America. U.S. sovereign debt downgrade. It's the first time in American history took place in the last eight years. Federal spending, 25% of uh, gross domestic product, highest since World War II, the government spending. Budget deficit, 10% of GDP, highest since World War II. Federal debt, 67% of GDP, highest since just after World War II. Employment, 58.1% uh, of the population working, the lowest since 83. Long-term unemployment, highest since the 30s. Increase in non-farm uh, payroll employment, 0.5% uh, 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 since uh, recovery began. 20, uh, recovery began 26 months ago. Slowest job growth, 26 months after severe de recession since World War II. Home ownership rate, lowest since 65. Percentage of taxpayers paying income tax, lowest in modern era. Government dependency, defined as the percentage of persons receiving one or more federal benefit payments, highest in American history. Documented on the bottom there. Let's go to another graphic, the death supposed to be the death spiral but we'll use this one welfare spending hit hits nearly one trillion dollars per year the highest it has ever been medic medicare uh, uh food aid housing aid you can see the growth since 1950 entitlement spending it's no wonder we have a young generation that believes that they're entitled to everything. Death spiral. These 11 states now have more people on welfare than they do employed. How much is how much how much is how much is 15 trillion dollars? How much is fifteen trillion dollars? Okay, um, that that was the title. Did you, is that all you did? Okay, okay. Then forget. You have the other pictures. That's what I wanted. That was just the title of it. Let's first of all f discover. Uh, you've got the whole thing. Uh, 
Okay. Here we have a million dollars. Okay. Oop. Here we have a million dollars right here. We have a million dollars. And uh, these are in uh, stacks of $100 bills uh, here. Just one. That was $1 million. Now we're going to go to the next uh, slide. Here we have $100 million. You see the uh, person standing next to that uh, pallet uh, of cash. Uh, down here, we have a stack of $10,000. Here, $1 million. Here, $100 million. Uh, that $100 million on that pallet is still not taller than our person standing next to it. Let's go to our next graphic. Here we have $1 billion. Shows you the difference between 100 million and 1 billion. Let's go to our next graphic. Here we have $1 trillion. Here you have a semi-truck. And you have a, a good apt example of a trillion dollars. Notice that those pallets are double stacked. Let's go to our next graphic. Here's another apt comparison of a trillion dollars. A football field and a commercial jet uh, on a soccer field. Next graphic. Oh, now we want to go all the way back to the one that you had. Okay. We want to go back to how much is $15 trillion. Now here is $15 trillion compared to the football field, the soccer field, compared in height to the Statue of Liberty. But, but, but the national debt is not $15 trillion is not, this is the most recent graphics that have been produced online. Since this was produced to show an, a comparison of $15 trillion, today the U.S. national debt clock says that we are at, okay, where is the amount, Linda? No, that's not it, okay. I, I took mine out and put yours in. The national debt, uh, as of today, I wish it was $322 million. <laughs> it is over $19 trillion. Yep, $19 trillion, $2 billion. And if you would go on the live clock, it is just running, it's fat. You cannot even take a snapshot of it with your eye on the debt clock. How much is $19 trillion? Would you put that up on the screen, please, Linda? How much? Point C, Linda. There you go. Write that down, everybody. How much is $19 trillion? How much is $19 trillion? Well, $19 million, if you were to stack $1,000 bills on top of one another, a $19 million would go how high? Huh? 76 feet 
high, a 76-foot stack. How about $19 billion? Your stack would be 85,500 feet high, uh, a bit higher than Mount Everest. $19 trillion, how high would the stack be? A stack of $1,000 bills would reach 1,197 miles into outer space. Even with a low annual interest rate on the national debt, the national debt rate doubles every, think of it, the national debt doubles every seven years due to the compounding of interest. We are near the point where just the annual interest alone will consume all tax revenue. In the 1980s, when President Ronald Reagan was president, we were the greatest creditor nation on the planet. Today, we're the greatest debtor nation. Proverbs 22.7 says, The rich ruleth over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. How many have realized that? So if someone tells you you look as sound as a dollar, you better start looking for a casket. The dollar is dying. The day the dollar dies. Just as we'll never forget 9-11, this is point A, fill in the blank, America could be rapidly moving towards the time when we'll remember the day the dollar died. The day the dollar died. James wrote of the future economy. James the Apostle very prophetically said, Now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming upon you. Your wealth has rotted, moths have eaten your clothes, your gold and silver are corroded, their corrosion will testify against you, and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Stored money, gold, will be worthless on the day the American economy crashes. An American economic meltdown could create the chaotic conditions. For what? America not only losing her superpower status, but absorption into a one-world economy. It could set the stage for that. A one-world government, the platform for the Antichrist. Why would God allow an economic meltdown in America? Why would God allow, fill in the blank, an economic meltdown in America. Listen, I'll tell you why. The gospel has been preached in what nation more than any other nation? America. And to whom much has been given, much will be what? Required. God would allow an economic crash to affect America because our number one false god is money. It's to the false god of money that Americans sacrifice their health, they sacrifice their, their, their marriages, their families, their very sanity. If Americans, I submit this to you, if Americans worship God like they would worship money, like they worship money, revival would sweep our nation. You discuss any sin practically that you want in America today, and some way, somehow, it all goes back to the root of evil, which is money. That's right. That's right. Uh, the pornography industry wouldn't be what it is today if it wasn't for the love of money, for instance. 
you know. Uh, so many of the craziness that you're seeing, like with transgender, uh, you know, laws that are, are being quietly uh, uh, creeping into uh, even our public school education system right now. You know, a, a lot of that is being pushed by the judicial side. Uh, uh, attorneys making, I mean, they're, I mean, they're sitting on the sidelines salivating, looking for ways where they can bring lawsuits and make money. And this is why so many uh, things become uh, uh, self-grandized uh, 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 in the media. Uh, the, the gospel has been proclaimed in our nation more than any other. And if Americans worship God like they worship money, we would experience spiritual rebirth in our nation. You know, even Christians, and I'll tell you this as a pastor, have sold their soul to the false god of money. They can't tithe. They can't give to missions. They can't help with outreaches. They can't help with, with, with special needs that are in the community or in the world because they're so bound to their god called money. When a pastor preaches on money, and you know, you know, I, I preach maybe once a year, twice, four times. <laughs> but when I have gotten a letter, an email, when I have gotten a negative response, that's a tip off to me right, right away. They're mad because I've been preaching about their God. And it ain't the God that you and I praise and worship. They're mad because I'm stepping on their, their toes when it comes to their false religion uh, of money. Uh, they can't really live in love because of the love of money, the root of all evil. Recently, Yahoo News reported that uh, MIT researchers, not Bible prophets, researchers from MIT gave this grim uh, assessment of the future. The title was Next Great Depression. MIT researchers predict global economic collapse by 2030. A new study from researchers at MIT says the world could suffer from global economic collapse and precipitous population decline if people continue to consume the world's resources at the current pace. Most of the computer scenarios found population and economic growth continuing at a steady rate until about 2030, but without drastic measures for environmental protection. The scenarios predict the likelihood of a population and economic crash, end quote. How do we prepare for the coming economic storm? Head for the hills. Build a log cabin up north. Go to China. <laughs> I want you to be reminded your provision doesn't come from the big three. It doesn't come from Congress, Wall Street, or the president. Our source is God. Hallelujah. Prov or Psalms 37, 25, I was young and now I am old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging what? bread jesus said in matthew 6 here's the promise but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well read that chapter the things that jesus was referring to were the 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 
things of clothing, food, the basic necessities of life that so many of us worry about having enough of. You know, the, the gloom and doomers, they want to move up north in a log cabin. They want to store food. Uh, I mean, you hear some of the crazy stuff on TV or online or on the radio of, you know, uh, storing uh, certain kinds of uh, uh, food that'll last. They trust in their gold. They trust in their guns. I don't know about you, I'm going to trust in my God. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing there will not be a room enough to store it. If I had time, Becky and I could sit down with you and tell you how time after time after time after time our needs have been met and much more so because we've been weekly tithers from day one of our marriage. And God is so good. The problem of hunger, according to the most recent statistics, one person every second, 4,000 every hour, 100,000 each day, and 36 million every year die of hunger hunger die of hunger according to the world health organization look on the screen hunger is the single gravest threat to the world's public health i never realized that hunger is the world's greatest threat to public health it's the greatest contributor to death among children currently it impacts more than a billion people or one in six people on the planet would you write this down? When we think of hunger, we always think of somewhere else, never the United States. When the Great Recession of 2008 hit, the Washington Post reported this. The globe's worst food crisis in a generation emerged as a blip on the big boards and the computer screens of America's great grain exchanges. At the same time, food was becoming the new gold. Wow. Just like Revelation chapter 6. How about your grocery bill? Has it been going down recently? They're going up. Yeah. In our generation, Roman numeral two, a deadly formula for global famine on an unprecedented level is rapidly developing around the planet. I want to look at the ingredients. I want to look at the formula for a coming global famine. I'm not taking this from Bible prophecy. I'm taking this from researchers around the planet. It's all documented. My main source, The Coming Famine, by Professor Julian Cribb. What's the formula that would all... It's more than just the scarcity of food. The shortage of fresh water. The shortage of fresh water. Worldwide, did you know that groundwater levels and rivers are dropping as they're being pumped dry? Especially in regions that uh, are using it to grow food especially in the southwest of, uh, of these United States. Uh, I have a son that lives in Southern California, and so I'm constantly being updated uh, on how he lives out there uh, under a constant, constant water shortage. 
Uh, he says, well, Dad, there's trade-offs. And I said, yeah, big trade-offs, water. Uh, examples include, uh, for instance, China, India, Libya, Australia, the United States. These areas are losing uh, 70 cubic kilometers per year uh, of water. For the first time in history, urban demand for water urban demand, city demand, is outpacing farm demand. We are the first generation of this. Uh, the Himalayan glaciers are disappearing. The North China Plain is running out of water. These two regions alone feed 1.7 billion people and must feed twice that many in the future. If these two resources fail, the consequences will affect everyone. Saudi Arabia's greatest, uh, largest dairy company, this was just reported today in Fox News. Saudi Arabia's largest dairy company recently purchased how many acres? 14,000 acres in California's Palo Verde Valley, an area that enjoys first dibs on water from the Colorado River. The company also acquired a large tract near Vicksburg, Arizona, becoming a powerful economic force in a region that has fewer well-pumping restrictions than other parts of the state. These purchases enabled the Saudis to take advantage of farm-friendly U.S. water laws. When cities are urging people to take shorter showers, skip car washes, and tear out grass lawns. For decades, Saudi Arabia attempted to grow its own water-intensive crops for food rather than rely on farms abroad. But it reversed that policy about eight years ago to protect scarce supplies. To further conserve water, the country has adopted bans on selected crops. This year, the kingdom will no longer produce wheat. International Water Management Institute Director General Colin Char Charters says current estimates indicate that we will not have enough water Excuse me. to feed ourselves in 25 years' time. By then, the current food crisis may turn into a perpetual crisis. You know, we have always boasted here in Michigan having the largest freshwater supply in the world than the Flint crisis. And the infrastructure crisis is not just Flint. Uh, it, it's throughout our nation, our aging water supply system in city after city. The loss of farmland is increasing at an alarming rate. Would you write that down? Today, almost a quarter of the world's farmland is affected by serious degradation, up from 15% two decades ago. The world currently, look on the screen, the world may currently be losing about 1% of its farmland annually due to a combination of erosion, urban sprawl, mining, pollution, rising sea levels. Do you know that in 1900, look on the screen, every human had about 20 acres of land to sustain them. Today, the number is 1.63 and falling. From 1900 to 2005, world demand for food grew 15 times faster than the area of land being farmed.
the energy crisis and global food production. Despite the fact that peak oil production has already happened in 49 out of the 65 of the world's oil producing regions, demand is still rising, Linda. Next, 51 million new cars continue to hit the world's roads every year. You know, just as farmers have little control over who snatches their land, water, and other assets, they have little control uh, over who takes their fuel, their energy. Uh, conversely, you know, think of it, where will the energy come from to power the tractors of the future, the trucks, the trains, the ships uh, that move the food uh, uh, that uh, uh, we desperately need? Uh, if it were not for trains and trucks and ships, how much of a supply does Kroger's have? Myers. On average, our grocery stores have a 10-day supply across the nation. Either way, it's scary. It's scary. If something disrupted our distribution system, that's how dependent. Yeah. Imagine $30 per loaf of bread. The risk of soaring global food prices in the event of a world energy shortage is very real. The world's also facing an alarming uh, shortage in fertilizer. Fertilizer is made from petroleum. It's a petroleum product. Biofuels. Again, we're looking at what are all the ingredients of global famine? What's all coming together to create global famine? Biofuels are replacing crops. Ethanol. Biofuels alone are expected to add about $40 a week to the average grocery bill. Corn prices go up. Meat prices go up. By 2020, it's estimated that uh, we'll be converting about uh, 400 million tons of grain into biofuel. I mean, that's equal to the uh, entire world rice harvest. Uh, fisheries. How about the fisheries around the world? Fisheries are declining around the world, right? 29% of world fisheries are in a state of collapse and disease. There's nutrient uh, pollution, overfishing, climate change. Climate change is having an impact upon food production. Now, there's great controversy as to the cause of climate change, but climate change itself is a fact. The International Food Policy Research Institute has warned of a potential 30% drop in wheat production in Asia due to climate factors. Global researcher Eric de Carbonel said, and I quote, the countries making up two-thirds of the world's agricultural output are experiencing drought conditions. In the United States, California, Texas, Florida, Georgia, North and South Carolina have all recently experienced droughts of historic proportions, as you're well aware. How about one of the forgotten contributors to global food shortages? What's that? Waste. 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 Look on the screen. In developed countries, we throw away from a third to a half of all food.
produced. While a billion people starve, we waste enough food to feed how many? Three billion. A global food catastrophe is brewing. Global food supplies are declining, declining, declining. The combined average of the food supplies of the major trading countries, Australia, Canada, the U.S., the European Union, have been declining steadily in the last few years. Grain carryover stocks are the smallest since records began in 1960. I just picked this up today. Grain, throughout the 1990s, the world regularly stored more than 100 days of grain supplies. But since the year 2000, grain stocks have fallen below 75 days of supplies five times. Poor weather, rising fuel costs, policy decisions, and market trends all contributed to the low stocks. Combined with devastating droughts in Australia, Eastern Europe, and the United States, these factors fueled a meteorotic rise in food prices over the same period. End quote. How many nations, how many nations in the world have enough food supplies to outlast a famine that would take place over more, more than one year. There's only one nation on the planet that has enough food supplies to outlast a year, and that's the United States. It's the United States. We have enough for two years. Out of some 100 nations around the world, did you know this? There are only four nations in the world. There are only four nations in the world. The United States, Canada, France, and Argentina actually produce more food every year than they consume so that they can export the food. But only four out of a nation, a world of more than 7 billion people. Now, the shocking truth that we cannot ignore. The greatest cause behind the ever-increasing holocaust of famine is the population time bond. People that don't believe in Bible prophecy, this is a fun one that I have sitting down with them. You can't ignore these facts. It took man from the beginning of time until the year 1850 to reach the first billion in population. It took us from 1850 to 1930 to reach 2 billion. 1930 to 1960 to hit the third billion. 1960 to 75 to reach the fourth billion. 1975 to 1988 to reach the 5 billion mark. Tonight, we have how many? Next slide. Oh, it's at the bottom. International Database World Population Summary. Okay, we don't have it up there. I've got it on my uh, sheet, though. The International Database World Population Summary Population Clock. Uh, the United States, as of today, 316 million. The world, 7 billion, 250 million, 104,000. Uh, a 
according not as of today but june the 30th 2015 the last time we have uh documented evidence of the world's population by the year 2030 china alone will require all of the world's current exports of grain china alone by the year 2030 unless some radical thing happens a, re a green revolution in agriculture uh, not long we will reach the 8 billion mark in population world population how will we feed all those people we won't we won't in fact we're, we're nearing the point where there will not be enough food to keep the entire planet alive chief British scientist dr. John Bennington warns growing world population will cause a perfect storm of food energy and water shortages demand for food and energy will jump 50 percent and for fresh water by 30 percent as the population tops 8.3 billion write it down if you would if the world is able to reach 2050 there are projected to be about 9.3 billion people living but in order to enjoy today's nutritional levels they will they will have to eat as much as 13 billion people A according to the UN environmental program to meet such a demand global food output must rise by 110 percent in the coming 40 years with a smaller and more degraded soils base, two-thirds the water, costlier and scarcer nutrients, and under the growing consequences of climate change. All those things are against us. And yet at the same time, we have to uh, greatly increase the output of food. What are the consequences of global famine? The red horse and the black horse, war and famine, Economic collapse will go hand in hand as war leads to famine and famine will lead to more war More war Professor Julian Cribb stated this and I quote Since the early 1990s two-thirds of all conflicts get hold of that two-thirds of all conflicts war occurring around the world have had as one of their drives a shortage of food land or water we know that hunger breeds war the uk ministry of defense america's cia the u.s center for strategic and international studies and also the oslo peace research institute all identify famine as a potential trigger for conflicts and possibly even for nuclear wars now you can see as everything is moving into a perfect storm how it would set the stage for a global dictator, a one-world leader who has all the answers. And part of the answer, a major part, will be the mark of the beast, a one-world economic entity, a one-world economy. Yes. Just think, before this night is over, more than 100,000 people around the world will perish because of hunger. We are the generation here in the hoofbeats of the black horse of economic collapse and famine. But I want to share with you in closing the greatest famine. 
Amos chapter 8, verse 11. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land. Not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Your spirit, write it down, your spirit hungers for God's Word. Jesus said it's written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Recently, the Associated Press did a survey where they evaluated over 4,000 self-help books. What was the number one self-help book rated by this massive survey? The Bible. The Bible. Chosen the best book for real happiness. Every year, the Bible is read by over a billion people searching for truth. Real truth. Because the Bible is the ultimate source of truth. The Bible answers the greatest questions that have ever been asked. The evolutionists say that we crawled out of a mud puddle. My Bible says in the beginning God created. Let us make man in our image. The humanists say that everyone is basically good. You're okay. I'm okay. We're all okay. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The existentialists say that uh, we have no purpose. We're just dust. Dust in the wind. The Bible says in Psalms 150, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. You have a purpose to give glory to God. The atheists, they say, don't worry. There's no judgment. There's no hell. The Bible says in Revelation 20, if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. The New Agers, they say that heaven is not a place. It's a state of consciousness. Jesus said in John 14, let not your heart be troubled. And I want to say that to you tonight that heard this lesson on famine or economic collapse. Let not your heart be troubled. In our Father's house are many mansions. I am going to prepare a place for you. But listen, it's not only God's plan for you to believe and receive His Word. It's God's plan for you to release it. What words... Are you speaking? And even more importantly, write this down. Whose word are you speaking? Are you always speaking critical words? Negative words? Downer words? Huh? If God's words are truth, and they are, His words are creative. They're restorative. They're life-giving. They're loving. They're, they're joy-unspeakable words. The enemy's words uh, are depressing. They're faith-destroying. They're doubt-dealing. They're death-dealing. Stand with me tonight, if you would. You have one more blank. Write it down as you stand up. God's weapon of choice for the believer is the confession. The confession of His Word. I, before you leave tonight, I want to do an exercise with you. I want you, this is a fun exercise. I want you to confess God's word. 
Would you confess God's word in this room here tonight with me? I want to challenge you to join me in putting together a never again list. A never again list. I have a never again list. And I want you to join me in that. Here it is. Never again will I confess I can't. Now say it with me. For I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Never again will I confess lack. Say it with me. For my God shall supply all of my need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Never again will we confess fear. Say it with me. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, I'm testing your memory, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Amen. Never again will we confess self-condemnation. That, you know, that I'm a loser. I'm no good. huh? Say it with me. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And never again will we confess weakness. For the people that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. How many of you know God? Huh? Hallelujah. You're going to be strong and do exploits. Praise the Lord. Never again will I confess the enemy's victory. For greater is he that's within me than he that's within the world. Can I hear a praise the Lord? Father, bless all of these tonight as they go. In the name of Jesus, we pray, Lord, that they would know that they would know that they would know whose they are in Christ Jesus our Lord. Bless them, God, in your name. Amen.